Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's time for a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I have to start off this episode by painting you a little a little word picture, if, if I may. I am at a hotel right now in the surrounded by what feels like forest, but I don't think it's actually really foresty, but nonetheless, there's trees all around. I am looking out at a really rainy day, a really beautifully rainy day. So the skies are super gray, but I can see the sea right here and all these beautiful pine trees right outside my window. I have my tea table completely set up and ready for tea ceremony that I'm going to sit down and right after recording this show. And on my altar, I have this really beautiful, freshly picked bouquet of flowers that I picked on my run a little, a little while ago. I am um, so grateful to be in this beautiful place. I'm so grateful to, <laughs> to record this show from here today. So I decided to take three, actually it's almost four, honestly, it's three nights, four days to myself at a hotel out in nature to just be with myself for a little bit. You know, it's been a, it's been a long time since I slept alone. It's been a really long time since I had a, a completely undisturbed day to myself after having two months of solo parenting with Leia and then Dennis coming. It's been really full on and, and kind of intense and I can or I was I was able to begin sensing in myself. I, I was squeezing in time for myself in the in-between and not really succeeding at doing a good job at that. So I started feeling a little bit depleted. I started feeling stressed, even though I had literally nothing to be stressed about, aside from the kind of overlooming fact that I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. But in my day-to-day, I don't have a bunch of stressful things to take care of. I'm really privileged and blessed in that way. And still, I was feeling this sense of irritability and stress kind of creeping up. And I don't know what it's like for you, but that's for me a really sure telltale sign that I need some time alone. 
I'm one of those people, actually, I recharge when I'm by myself. I thought my whole life, I'm very extroverted. Um, so I, I was always, you know, a person who surrounded herself with tons of people and friends. And I was really popular in school, always had a lot of friends around me all the time. And I have so many siblings and we always had a big family. And, and then I, you know, kind of started this line of work and ended up in this kind of public as a public figure in a way. And I always had this idea that I am just a super extra extroverted person. And I like to be around, around people all the time. But I've actually realized that that's not how I recharge at all. And being around tons of people all the time actually with time depletes me. So even though there's a lot of components to that that I love and appreciate, I need space completely in solitude to actually recharge my batteries. And figuring this out for me, which was something I figured out mid-pandemic, was a major blessing and a huge, huge eye-opener. The first moment I had of really making that realization was when I created my my little altar space for myself. I don't know if you guys remember, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you will remember this. But so we had a a three-floor house or a three-story house in Aruba or have. We still we still own the house. We're just not living there anymore. And the top floor was forever and always. It used to be our, our bedroom because it has the nicest view. And then when we had Leia, we moved downstairs so she could have our own, her own room and we could be right next door because there are more bedrooms downstairs. And then since that moment, I think she was six months or something like that, the upstairs bedroom became a guest room. And forever, I mean, for years and years and years, that whole space was occupied by a two by two, like California King massive bed. And we didn't use the space for anything. There was like closet space that I would use at storage. And it had a really nice bathroom and the most beautiful view of the whole house. And we literally never set foot up there. And it was a huge realization of mine when I started contemplating my energetic space and how much of my own time and my own energy is reserved for other people. How little time I was actually reserving for myself and how little attention and energy I was giving back to myself after giving all day. And my house really reflected that in a major way because here, here I was living on the bottom floor and reserving this amazing whole entire top floor for guests that never came to visit. So it was such a, a really beautiful, I felt like a leap in my spiritual evolution actually to recreate that room or to, to change that room and to dedicate that space for me. So I turned it into this yoga room slash podcast room slash altar space and it got to really blossom and evolve with time and became this absolute sanctuary dedicated just for me. So I even had a, a little lock on the door so I could lock it whenever I didn't want Dennis and, and Leah to come upstairs. And that's really what gave me the space to start focusing on my self-care in a whole other way because I used to always roll out my mat in the kitchen or roll out my mat next to the pool while Leia was swimming, or in the living room while everyone was watching a movie. Like I would do my yoga practice whenever, wherever. And I didn't really mind that I always had Leia climbing all over me, or there was always noise and stuff and dogs, and someone would ring the door. It was just a little messy all the time. And I always thought that, but that's not a big deal. You know, I don't need, I don't need more than that. The truth of the matter was I really did need more than that. And it wasn't until my physical surroundings actually started supporting my self-care practice that I could dive into that self-care practice in a whole new way. 
So of course I know having an entire floor or an entire room dedicated just for yoga or just for meditation or just for whatever the thing is that is your thing is crazy blessed, right? Not everyone has that ability or opportunity. But even if you were to take a moment right now just to contemplate your living space, right? Where is the energy actually distributed in your home, in your apartment, in your room, in your house, in your villa, like however you live, how is that energy distributed? Who is that house for? And how much of your energy actually occupies that space? And I think it's, it's so interesting how, how we live reflects what's actually happening on the inside. And for me, that was the case. We even had a, we also had a big kind of dining room space with this huge table that, you know, could seat like 12 people. And, and then we had all of this silverware and all these glasses and plates and things just to entertain. But actually, fact of the matter was that it usually was just me, Dennis and Leah sitting on the little corner of that table, right? But I would keep all that space available in case people would come to visit or in case family would come over or in case someone would want to join us. Right. And just realizing that how much I was actually wasting space that could be turned into something really alive and really useful. And I saw that reflected in so many ways in every area of my life, of course. But in your house, you know, say you have a guest bedroom, but you don't have a space to practice yoga. Like that's a big thing. Or you don't have a space for you to close a door and feel totally at home in a sacred corner of your home. I am certain that for each of us, we can carve out, and if it's not a room, it's a little corner, right? A little sacred space that's just for you, where no one else can mess around, that doesn't get messy, where no one intrudes, like that space dedicated just for you. It's so important that we have that. And for me, you know, that creating that space also aligned with aligned with a lot of lot of big things for my self-care practice. I did 50 days of dynamic meditation in a row. If you're new to this show or new to dynamic meditation, highly recommend it. It's also absolutely batshit crazy, not something you can do in the living room while the rest of your family is watching a movie. So it wasn't possible for me to actually have that as a daily practice until I had that door to close behind me, right? I started rising really early. I started getting up at 4.45 a.m. every single day. I joined the 5 a.m. club. Like all of 2020 for me was just this massive exploration and meeting my own needs. And so much of that was really, I was able to draw the line back into that practice space, that I had the space to do it, that to roll out my mat, I didn't have to clean up the kitchen first. You know, I didn't have to look at the mess of family life, or I didn't have to be disturbed by things or be asked questions, or, you know, I had that door to close behind me, space just for me. And it was at that time that I realized that honestly, alone time, total aloneness, whether it was those two undisturbed hours I had every single morning before the rest of the family even woke up, like no one there to talk to me, just me by myself. Or if it was actually sleeping alone, which I started doing a little bit, um, I had this really beautiful, and I miss it so much because it was, it was actually pretty new, oh, such, a, such a hard thing to have to get rid of. But it was one of the things we had to get rid of when we found out our house was riddled with toxic mold. The irony of this is not lost on me, by the way. The amount of time and energy and love I poured into beautifying a space that was toxic, like that had a toxic foundation. I mean, it's also a, a really good metaphor for a lot of, lot of relationships in my life. But um, I had this really gorgeous, like baby blue kind of, it wasn't even a pullout couch. It was this 
unbelievably comfortable couch, but it opened up into a perfect, like with a full size, thick mattress queen bed. It was like a real investment I made to be able to also have guests in that space if we ever had guests, which we never did. I mean, the pandemic and everything happened, but actually turned into this ability for me to sleep alone when I wanted to. So I was going through this period of feeling really shitty, right, which I have or had for years on and off feeling bad. And most of it was something I would experience around sleep or first thing when I woke up in the morning that I just I felt like no matter what I did, I could never settle. No matter what I did the night before, I always woke up every day feeling like I had been run over by a truck, like I felt horrible every morning. My eyes would be completely crusted shut. Like I I always thought that I have allergies, but I didn't know what I was allergic to. I was completely stuffy, couldn't breathe through my nose. Even on a good day, this, this was like on a good day, I would wake up with my eyes itching and running and not able to breathe through my nose and just feeling like pounding headache and feeling heavy and feeling like, oh, like I didn't even sleep, like feeling completely unrested. That's how I woke up every day. And for a long time, I was trying to figure this out. You know, why am I not sleeping well? Or why do I wake up every day feeling like this? And for a while, I was really contemplating this. Is it because there's too many disturbances happening? Like maybe I'm not one of those people that can just sleep in any scenario. One of those people being my husband, for example, who literally we get on a plane the man sits down, puts on his seatbelt and falls asleep and doesn't wake up until we land. Like that's like where he can sleep anywhere, anytime. He can sleep in the middle of a party, sitting up in a couch. Like the man can just, it's this beautiful ability to just like clock out. Like I love it. I also, I mean, also it's, it's can be annoying at times, especially when I'm, if I'm trying to rest and then he falls asleep, like that's, that's a common theme for us too. Also, there was that one time we were in really horrible turbulence on a plane. I mean, I'm talking like the thinking you're going to die kind of turbulence, like canceling the meal service, like stewardess is strapping in the pilot telling us like, it's going to be a wild ride overhead bins opening, luggage flying all around. Like it was a crazy storm, middle of the night, cross-Atlantic flight and people crying on the plane. I mean, people screaming out in fear and crying on the plane, including me, right? And Dennis, that motherfucker slept like a baby. Like he slept through the kind of turbulence that makes you think you're going to die. Like he just slept through that. So there was a point of that night where I had to forcibly shake him to wake him up and go, we're dying and you're missing it. (laughs) Like, like I was like, we're going to die here and he's going to sleep his way through our demise. Like, this is it. Like you need to wake up so you can be present for our death. (laughs) And he just like patted my hand and like, and went back to bed. I mean, that's, that's done it. So obviously when we were sleeping and I mean, of course we didn't know then that we were sleeping in a in a house riddled with toxic mold. Like we didn't know. We had horrible mold in our master bedroom where we were sleeping. And Dennis is more resistant. He also has what we think we think he has. We've ordered one of these um, little DNA kits now to confirm if this is true or not. But doctors think that he has this gene called the warrior gene where you don't get as affected by toxins or you don't feel the effects of toxins in the same way that other people do. So he never felt super shitty, right? And so for a long time, I was contemplating, is it this? Is it that I'm sleeping next to like a six foot four, like heater of a man? Like the man is so hot, like really, really warm at night. 
with a toddler coming in at night and then kicking me in the face as I'm sleeping and then three dogs that bark whenever the wind rustles in the leaves outside. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So I started sleeping upstairs in my sacred space. And this actually started off as like a I don't know, something that came out of frustration, like, oh my God, I cannot take another shitty night. I'm going upstairs. And then I would wake up in the morning and I would feel totally different. I would feel calmer, still not amazing. It wasn't like, you know, like I'd slept 12 hours and on a bed of feathers or something. Like I would wake up feeling more human, like more like a normal person, not as angry, not as irritable, like I'd slept better. And then Dennis started saying, he's like, hey, whenever you sleep alone upstairs, it's like, you're much more fun to hang around. Maybe you should do that more often. And he kind of was joking. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take you up on that. And I did that like one or two nights a week, I would go upstairs and sleep upstairs. And it even became a thing where I felt like Dennis started getting insecure about our relationship. Like we had to actually sit down and have some conversations around it. Like, is everything okay with us? You know, you hear, you hear those Um, stories of couples that have like separate bedrooms and sleep alone and like it's this sign that something is terribly wrong in the relationship or that's the first step to getting a divorce and I had to really sit him down and be like hey I love you there's nothing wrong in our relationship I just want to sleep at night like I just need to sleep right and then two things happened after that so first is I had a human design reading if you've never had a a human or figured out your human design uh, it's really wonderful. It's a mix of, I still don't fully get it. It's like a really intense and complex science, but it's a mix of, I think, numerology, astrology, different kinds of personality types. It's like a very in-depth personality test, basically. And one of the first thing that this girl tells me when she's reading my, my chart is, hey, you know, you're one of very few people who actually thrives sleeping alone. Like actually the way your chart is designed, the way your human design is, you shouldn't ever sleep with other people's energy interfering. You probably don't sleep so well with other people in bed, right? And I was like, what? Are you joking? Like, this is a huge thing for me. And I feel so guilty. Like I want to go upstairs and sleep and my husband doesn't love it. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I should sleep amazing next to my daughter and my husband who I love. Like, what's wrong with me? And she was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just one of those people that recharges alone. Also, you might feel like an extrovert, but actually you're super introverted. Actually, you charge your batteries. You replenish yourself in solitude. And it could come along with a lot of guilt because of because of of who you are. So part of your journey is learning to differentiate between between closeness with other people and that loving relationship and actually your own needs, distinguishing between your needs in the relationship with other people and your needs just for yourself. So learning to take that space and claim that space without feeling guilty, without that inner voice nagging at you, without feeling like, like you have to give something back or, you know, just doing that because that's what serves you the best. Like that's what you feel great doing. And you give so much to other people. Like why shouldn't you have a good night's sleep? Why shouldn't you have alone time without guilt? And this was such an eye-opening thing for me because I never contemplated, I never in my life contemplated traveling alone. I mean, I did that my whole life up until I met Dennis and fell in love and we started a family, right? But my whole life up until that, I was always traveling alone. And since I started this chapter of my life, which is the rest of my life, right, of of being a mom and being a wife and being part of a family, it never occurred to me that maybe that's something that I should continue doing. 
or that that need for solitude, that that actually stays. It's not like you develop away from that. And realizing this was just a massive, 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 massive eye-opener. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I'm faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. So since that moment, I have done a bunch of, okay, maybe I don't want to say a bunch, but say I've done maybe three or four yeah, that's probably, that's probably right. Three or four solo adventures, like solo little mini trips, even in Aruba twice. I rented like a little house on the other side of the island, somewhere by the water. And I just went to stay for a couple of days by myself. And I really struggled doing that, especially the first time. It was something I felt like, okay, I need to do this for my self-care. I need this space, this time to be alone. And I felt so guilty. I mean, I felt so overwhelmingly guilty saying goodbye to Leia, who I don't want to say goodbye to. I mean, you know, it's so hard to say goodbye to your kid, no matter how much you want space from them. It's like, you want to be with them all the time. You know, it's really hard to say goodbye to her. And then saying goodbye to Dennis and trying to make sure he figures everything out, being alone and food. And, you know, there's a lot of, I wear a lot of hats in this family. Like it's, it's hard for me to just, I can't just up and leave, right? There was a lot of planning that went into that. And then the moment I got to that house, I remember feeling like I, I, it was dark. It was a little scary. I was like, what's the point? Well, why did I, why did I come all the way here to some stranger's house, like an Airbnb somewhere when I have this perfect home with a perfect family that I could like be on the couch with right now? You know, why did I do this? And then all it took every time was one night's sleep alone, like completely alone where I decide everything that happens, <laughs> where I set myself up for that sleep in my way, doing what I need, really able to tune into my own needs versus having that antenna always listening to what does everybody else need? Is Leia okay? Is Dennis okay? Are the dogs okay? Is the business okay? Is the house okay? You know, is Rachel okay? Like I never really ask myself that question and wait to listen for the answer. I just make sure everybody is okay. And then I go to bed, you know, or I collapse in bed and then I, I don't sleep well. 
And then I would wake up after that first night and just the sun is shining. I had a good night's sleep. No one's asking me any questions. You know, I can practice yoga for as long as I want. I can make this elaborate breakfast just for me. You know, take time to sit and meditate and read and just be with myself. Like, actually, I'm really good company. I'm great company. I really, really, really enjoy hanging out with myself. But it's one of those things that we don't get to figure out how fun it is to hang out with ourselves, how great of a companion we can be to ourselves if we don't have the opportunity to be alone. And that's not the same as being lonely, right? Being alone, time spent by yourself, with yourself, in communion with yourself. And the more I do these little things, right, whether it's like a day away or a couple nights away or a little trip or a little something, the easier it gets. The other thing, as I said, I realized two things after, after finding out I had that human design that, that thrives sleeping alone was that not so long after that, we found out about the toxic mold, right? So it also felt like a, like a double whammy, so to speak, that not only was I sleeping with a lot of energy all the time around me, not, not settling very well, but also I was sleeping in literally a toxic bedroom. So, and I was having these, this massive reaction to the mold, waking up, I mean, falling asleep with surrounded by mold, waking up surrounded by, by mold. Of course, I felt like I was being hit by a truck every day. I mean, of course, it, everything just made total sense. Also made sense why I felt physically so much better sleeping upstairs because the mold upstairs was not as bad. We actually still don't even know if there was any mold around that room. Like maybe there's a reason I really gravitated to that space in the final year of us living in the house because that room was basically, yeah, mold free. So all of this to say is having that dedicated space in my home carved out a dedicated space in my life to take care of myself. And I think if we are able to carve out dedicated space in our lives to take care of ourselves, then that space in our home is going to naturally be reflected there. If you have a solid self-care practice that you are so fucking anchored in, it doesn't matter what happens. You're just there in it. You know, it's life, it's ritual. It's not something that you have to make yourself do every day, but taking care of yourself genuinely is just life, right? You're living that practice. Well, then it's going to be reflected in your house. You are going to have that yoga mat rolled out all the time. You are going to have that dedicated space to move, to breathe, to sit in silence, to journal, to sit with tea, whatever it is that you do, that is your thing, right? You're going to have that place in your home. So if you're sitting here right now going, well, wait, actually, I don't have it. (laughs) There's not a single dedicated nook or corner of my entire home. That's just mine. That's really dedicated for my well-being. Well, consider this podcast in this moment a little wake-up call to that. Why is that? You don't have to, you know, beat on yourself or get down on yourself or judge yourself or anything like that, but there's probably something in that that's reflected in how you are treating yourself on the inside. Are you the most important person in your life or are you like the sixth most, most important person? Are you at the top of your list of priorities or are you on the bottom? You know, is self-care something that is ingrained in your lifestyle that happens every day or do you have to squeeze it in at the end of the day or does it happen like the way it happened for me this past week, you find yourself getting frustrated and kind of short with people and starting to get agitated and then you realize, oh wait, I haven't had any space for myself in a really long time. 
that was me this past week. I mean, since being in Sweden, I mean, I've, since we left our house, of course, I lost my sacred space. I lost that room that I could close the door up behind. We also entered this really stressful, really traumatic, crazy, horrible time of losing everything we owned and having to leave our home and not knowing where we're going to live and all of this. So my need for that solid self-care became even greater, but the dedicated space for it wasn't there anymore. And I really struggle. And I think most people do, you know, when you're having a good time, when life is throwing you something great, something awesome, or at least something easy make sure you have that solid self-care practice then because then it's easy, right? It's easy to take care of ourselves when we feel great. It's really fucking hard to take care of ourselves when we feel horrible, when we feel like life is falling apart and we have to juggle everything we possibly can to hold it together. It's like we can't hold our entire lives together at the seams and also support ourselves for our optimal well-being. Like that's a really, really challenging thing to do. So the more integrated we are in that practice when things are going well, the easier it's going to be to reach for those practices when it's hard, right? And for me, when we had to move out of our house, it got really, really hard. Like I think back at the first Airbnbs that we stayed in in Aruba after we were leaving our house, I ran, like if I think about what did I do for myself, I kept that running practice, which or I started it back up as soon as I felt good enough to run because I, I didn't run for months because I felt so horrible, but... And part of that was knowing I had to sweat to get rid of the mycotoxins in my body. So it was also, it didn't just come from this place of feel good, right? It came from this non-negotiable place of, holy shit, I have to sweat or I'm going to get cancer from mold. Like I was, it came from this fearful place. It wasn't a joyful running practice, I'll tell you that. But I did have that practice of putting on my shoes as much as I could, as much as my body had energy for, going out onto the North Shore, into the desert, cranking really great music and running until I cried and then crying while I was running and then running and crying and running and crying sometimes running and screaming like I really had emotional release running happening during those couple of months which was epic I mean really I mean that's a, a solid self-care practice if I dare say so myself but still I didn't have that door to close in any of those places of course we were staying in these little Airbnbs and yeah, it just wasn't there. And then I didn't have any of my tools either. You know, I lost all of my, all my tea, I mean, my tea wear, my yoga mats. Um, not that you need anything for self-care in that sense, but the things that I normally brought with me, like my books or my incense or um, my mala beads, my everything, my crystals, everything I lost. Everything that was sacred, everything that was on my altar, everything that I used for ritual, like it, it all was gone, right? So I lost a lot of the things that were really helpful for me on that journey. And it wasn't until, I mean, Dennis has been here for almost a month now. And I started feeling like over the last week, two weeks, like he's getting on my nerves. <laughs> and I spent so much time missing him, right? I spent two months like counting down the days till Dennis would join us. I mean, I was missing him so much. Couldn't wait to sleep with him in bed again and have that closeness and just be family again. And then all of a sudden I started getting annoyed. You know, it's like, wait, like now I'm, I'm picking up after him. And it's like, I felt like things were getting messy and things that normally don't bother me. And, you know, I know Dennis is not a, I mean, if you know Dennis, you know, he's not a tidy guy, never been, never going to be. 
I married a messy man, like I am well aware. So asking him or demanding him to change something about himself now, just because I feel different, is not really fair, right? But there's a different thing when you're living in, the, in different houses, you're, we're basically house jumping now. Every house is a little bit different. It's way harder to keep things tidy because we don't know where anything really belongs. It's like, we're not settled enough in a place that everything that we own has a home, um, we spread out in a different way. And then each Airbnb we're staying at, of course, has their own stuff. Like the place we're in now, it had so much stuff. I spent I spent three days with empty moving boxes that I had to get packing this house up because every single drawer I would open, every single shelf, every single door I would open to any closet was just packed with other people's stuff. Like not stuff that you would need for an Airbnb, but just just stuff. Like this kitchen had six whisks, baking whisks, six of them. Why would I need six whisks? You know, there was like quadruple, quintuple of everything. So, you know, and in houses like that, it's just, it's so hard to keep things tidy. And I found myself like getting agitated with him almost every day. Like he would, you know, take his dirty underwear and put them next to the hamper on the floor. And normally at home, it's like not a big deal. I'm picking stuff up. I'm going to the laundry, whatever. And now it would be like, hey, can you come over here? And I would like kind of passive aggressively bring him over to the bedroom, point at the dirt pile of dirty underwear on the floor and be like, what is this? <laughs> He's like, uh, underwear? I said, aha. And where's the hamper? <laughs> uh, it's right there. I said, okay. Why can't you put the fucking underwear in the fucking hamper five centimeters away? It's like two inches away. Why does it have to go on the floor? You know, <laughs> and I mean, this is a valid question and I know I'm not the only, I don't want to like stereotype gender, but I know I'm not the only wife, mother, spouse, partner dealing with this annoyance in a, in a person. Like, I know this is kind of a guy thing. And then I would like stand there angrily and watch him pick up his clothes and put them in the hamper. Like, thank you. You know, and I just <laughs> like, I can laugh about that now because it's such a stupid thing. And also, yeah, can we like, can we normalize keeping a tidy home? Like for peace of mind? I mean, honestly, and, uh, I just found myself doing a bunch of little like passive aggressive, angry, frustrated stuff that normally wouldn't frustrate me to that point, like waking up and I'm a little angry. Like I woke up a little angry in the morning. And then this would ask, he's like, hey, like you've woken up like three days in a row, like not, not happy. Like even before breakfast, like there's something that isn't right, you know? And if you think about the whole of our lives, right? Like we are so blessed. We have so many things to be grateful for. I mean, we have the means to stay in this beautiful Airbnb. Yeah, we have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of struggle, but we have so many blessings. Like it's summer in Sweden and we're seeing friends and family and it's gorgeous here and we're not sick. Like I think back at that first Airbnb where, where I was running and crying and emotional release running, I woke up every single morning vomiting from the amount of phlegm that had collected in the back of my throat. Like I was so sick. I thought I was going to die. And now it's like, I feel good. My body feels good. I feel good in my body. And then it's just like, what's going on? Like, do you, and he, he went like, do you need some space? <laughs> And he said it so casually, you know, so relaxed, like so Dennis, matter of fact. And that's the thing about him. Like he would never in a million years deny me my own floor. Say if we had a two floor house, 
he would probably suggest I take an entire one of those floors just for me, for my practices, because he knows that sustains me and that makes me feel good, right? He's the one who like, he would book me a trip if he sensed I needed it. He would like he would provide those things for me. Not It's not like I have to ask permission. Is it okay for me to go somewhere? Like he actually urges me to do these things all the time without any guilt, without like, you know, he would never even bring it up afterwards. Like, oh, well, you had this whole trip to yourself. Now, what do I get? Like never, never, never. He's so selfless in that way. The thing or the person in the way between me and taking the space I need is me, right? It's, it's this feeling I have that things are falling apart and I have to hold it together, this feeling that that it's not completely safe to just relax because we don't know what our lives are right now. Like I feel there's so much uncertainty for Leia. There's so much uncertainty for all of us. So it's not really safe for me to, you know, go take three days and stay at a hotel. Like that's this is not the time for that. And I had all these things in my head, but at the same time, it's just building up and building up and building up. And now, you know, does it have to get to that point where you start to feel really agitated and, and angry and complainy about your life so that you have to go spend three days away? No, you know, and in regular normal life, like I strive to have a self-care practice that I maintain every day so that I don't have to get to that place of feeling that way, right? And of course, not everybody has the ability to just up and leave. Like I get that. It's a super privileged thing to be able to do as well. I mean, with childcare and knowing that there's someone there to support your kids and with work, I mean, it's, this is like a really like ones in a blue moon kind of opportunity for most people. And I get to just tell my husband or my husband gets to tell me, do you need some space? And I can go and and take that. I mean, oh, like I'm holding my heart right now, just in the gratitude of that blessing. It is mind blowing how special and beautiful that is. And I'm so grateful I'm here. I mean, I really, really, really am. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So I'm at this <laughs> and I'm still in the same island where we are staying. So it's like kind of like I would in Aruba. Like I just, I went 25 minutes away basically, but there's a spa hotel here. Um, that has these beautiful springs and you can swim outside and it's in nature, but it's still nice. And, and I, I've, this is today's day three. I mean, yeah, tonight's my last night and tomorrow I check out. And honestly, I, I've spent the last like 48 hours crying. I mean, intensely crying because I feel so thankful. 
I, I, every day I go to the springs and I just sit there. I just, I just sit in the water and I go to the sauna. There's a cold plunge. You're supposed to like dip and then go back to the sauna. I have like lived in that cold plunge. I've spent like 15, 20 minutes in the cold plunge. And then I go into the sauna for 15, 20 minutes. And then I go back into the cold plunge and I just sit there. And I've basically carved out this little mini retreat for myself. Like there's meditation classes here. And I took a yin yoga class, which is the first yoga class I have taken that isn't at my own yoga studio in years. I mean, absolutely. In, in year. I can't remember how many years it's been. And it's been, a, I mean, at least, what, six months maybe since I took a yoga class, maybe four or five months. I don't know, since I had someone else guide me. I just, I checked in and there happened to be a yin yoga class the next hour. And I was like, okay, let's go. I just walked over there and it was, it was just beautiful. I had a massage yesterday by a man. And uh, if you listened to, this was a while ago, but I did um, a couple of Me Too episodes and I share a story of, I had a, I don't even know what to call it. I had a really inappropriate kind of abusive situation happen in a massage session with a man. Uh, many years ago, and I haven't had a single session, uh, any kind of body work, massage, anything like that from a man since then. So whenever I book anything of any kind, I always say I need a female therapist. And if they don't have it, I don't go. It's really this thing. I don't feel, I can't relax. I don't feel safe. Even if it's, you know, and I've had people go, but this is the greatest guy. He's the best. I mean, best therapist of all kind, or he's the best body worker or the best at this. Like, it doesn't matter. I just, I don't do it. And then I booked this and it was busy. There was almost no space for, for body work. So I was just, okay, I'll take that time. Okay, great. You have it. And then it occurred to me the day of, I was like, wait, I didn't ask for a female massage therapist. Like, what if I get a guy? Oh my God, what if I, I can't do it? I'm going to miss this one spot I have. And so I went to the reception and I said, could you check who's, who's giving that massage or that treatment and the lady checks and she goes oh it's this guy and so his name is so and so and I was like oh my god can you please could you see if there's another one available could you trade me uh, I really need a female therapist or I can't do the session and she was like oh well let me check and no I'm so sorry he's the only one available who does that kind of treatment and then she I think she saw my face because my face went like oh shit like I just yeah and she goes hey he's really solid and she used that word solid. And I was like, okay. She says, no, really, he's solid, just solid. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then she goes, you know, people, they come all the way here just to book him. Like he's probably our most, our most popular, uh, our most popular therapist here. Like he's truly amazing. You know, people go from afar just to come here for him. But more than anything, he's, he's solid. Like, don't worry. And I was like, fuck it. Okay. Yes. And I go to this massage and of course I'm like nervous and, and normally, and this has become a thing. This wasn't a thing for me before because I, I get a lot of body work or I used to get a lot of body work. I would always show up naked. You know how some spas are like, you know, keep your underwear on or, you know, I always show up feeling super comfortable, you know, normally used to in my, in my regular life. But then in this session, I was like, no, you know what? I'm gonna, I need to wear something underneath. And here, this is the kind of place where everyone gets assigned like the same kind of swimsuit. It's like a little cultish. I like it, but you, everyone gets assigned like a black swimsuit. 
in your size so everyone wears the same thing and then you have a robe that you wear and everyone wears the same robe it looks so fun. it looks very cultish but so like you don't have to worry about clothes you don't worry about what you're gonna wear you don't worry about changing like the whole time you're here you're just in this robe and in this one black bathing suit that they give you and slippers and I kept my bathing suit on underneath and I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say or I'm just gonna state like I'm gonna I'm gonna like state affirm some boundaries for this treatment like how I feel and immediately when I walk in, he did that for me. Like the way I think a really great therapist should, or a massage therapist should, he just completely outlined the treatment. And he says, you're wearing your bathing suit, right? And I said, yes. He said, okay, if you're comfortable, you can roll it down um, when I'm standing behind the sheet. He said, you can roll it down when I'm standing behind the sheet. Just, just the top, just take the top part off and roll it down. And then I'll put the sheet on your back. And I was like, okay. And that felt fine. Um, also because I wasn't 100% naked, it just felt fine. And then the whole session was like one word for it, solid. It was the best massage. I mean, honestly, the best massage I've had in years. It was 50 minutes. And I don't know if this guy, if he had like abnormally large hands or if he was abnormally, like there was something about, like I swear one palm of his hand fit across my whole back. Like it was like, I had a moment of like, wow, I've really been missing this male kind of energy. I don't know. It's, it's, it was just, it was perfect. It was perfect. The massage was so appropriate, so solid, so good, really deep, really great all the way around. And I feel like maybe this one experience has healed me from this fear I have of, of working with men in that way. And it's kind of funny how I never contemplated, I never really contemplated like maybe I should take the steps to overcome that or work on healing that. I always just shut that door of, no, I don't ever want a man I don't know and trust to touch me in an intimate way. No, I, I just, I just closed that door. And I feel like I had a little bit of healing here. I mean, probably a lot of healing here that I was able to open that door and feel really safe at the end of it. So, I mean, so that happened. So basically I've had these, yeah, these three days of just eating food, sleeping like nine or 10 hour nights, <laughs> sitting in tea ceremony every day, you know, going in the sauna, going in the, they have like a, they have a sparkling spring here, which is amazing. They have something called a rest sauna that is like very, it's just a tiny bit heated and you go lie down in your own space and it's, it, it's a sauna for rest. I mean, it's, it's magical. They have a, a bath that's like carved out into the rock wall. So it's like, you're looking at the actual like wall. You're looking at the wall of the earth while you're in this like warm spring. It's just, it's so, it's been, oh my God, I feel so pampered. And so I feel good. Like I just feel really, really good. And I've been running every day, which has been a while. I think I've only ran like a couple times since I came to Sweden. And there's something about, <laughs> I guess, something about having 24 undisturbed hours to yourself in a day that suddenly makes you go, oh, I could go for a run today. <laughs> and that wouldn't interfere with my life at all. Like it's been, it's been a good time taking care of myself for sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today, right before recording this show, I went for a run in the rain, and it was really pouring, really, really pouring, and something that's been really awakened for me here. And I guess it's been awakened for me the whole time I've been in Sweden, but I feel like it's coming to sort of a peak while I'm here alone is this unyielding awe that I feel for nature. So even going for a run, I have a hard time sustaining a run because I have to stop and talk to the plants all the time. Like I keep encountering new species, new flowers, new bushes and shrubs and trees that I recognize from my childhood, but I can't quite pinpoint like what their name is. And I want to name and say hi to everyone. <laughs> this is weird. Am I, am I losing it? I don't think I'm losing it. I think I'm finding it. Like really, like I'll run and then all of a sudden something captures my attention by the side of the road and I have to stop and I have to like go and talk to the plant and say hi and if it's a flower, maybe I'll pick a flower if there's a lot of them or I'll take a picture and I'll take a note of it so that I can, when I'm home, like research it and look it up and, and figure out the name in Swedish and the name in English. And, you know, what are the medicinal uses of this plant? And is it native to here? And what's the history of the plant? Like, I'm just, I'm in awe of nature everywhere and, and all the time. And it's, it's been... It's something that I feel like isn't a, a season um, in this whole in this whole journey. You know, in any healing journey, whatever we're leaving to go find on the heroine's journey, you know that that big return. I mean, we all go through this this big journey of life, right? Of figuring out what's broken in our lives and then coming back around to heal it again. And there's a lot of seasons on that healing journey where we find things that are helpful, and then we put them down when we're done right? Or we feel a change inside of ourselves and we evolve into something and then we evolve into the next thing, you know? And for me, one of these big, big things is I feel like in Sweden, what's awakened in me, which started a long time ago, but it really has blossomed here is this, this awe for nature, this absolute beautiful, vulnerable, precious connection I feel to mother earth. And it's one of the things that makes me feel a little bit nervous around moving back to Aruba or going back to Aruba. Even if we were to go, we're contemplating now, maybe we go for six months and we have another semester of school for Leia there and we take our time, right, with the move. We don't just stay. Like that seems like a sensible thing. But even there, I feel like, wait, if we go to Aruba in September, I'm going to miss fall in Sweden. I'm going to miss, and I, and I think about, like I'm going to miss all the rose hips I'm going to miss like, I don't know, like there's so many things I don't even know the words of in Swedish, in English. I'm going to miss the turning of the season. I'm going to miss the colors of the fall and autumn. Like there's a lot of harvests I'm going to miss. There's vegetables I'm going to miss. There's just, and I feel like I need to be present for every moment. I need to be present every day. Something changes here. Every day I find something new that's beautiful and precious. And then tomorrow it's gone. It's like, that's nature, right? Especially in a place like this where the seasons are so distinct and they're so like powerful in that sense. I mean, Sweden will go from like 85 degree heat and sun beating on you to 
like right now, like it's just pouring rain and it's cold outside. And then all of a sudden we're going to have snow and it's going to be really dark for a long time. And, and I'm like, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss all of this. And it really struck me today on that run. Like I was, I was just picking one flower that was, that I felt drawn to. And then as I was running, I was thinking about elder flower because it's actually a really common plant here. And, and everyone I know is picking elderflower right now and making elderflower lemonades and elderflower champagne and jams. And you can make amazing things with elderflower. You can fry, you can freaking fry elderflower in pancake batter and serve that shit with ice cream. Hot tip. Um, but there are so many things I want to do with elderflower and it's everywhere, but I haven't found any, like I haven't come across any elderflower. I don't know why. And even Olivia, my best friend, she was, she told me, or she was sharing, like she made a whole thing of elderflower lemonade. And I'm like, oh my God, where's my elderflower? And I'm thinking about this on my run. And then like I, in the middle of the run, right after that thought, the smell of elderflower just hits me. And I like stop and I turn around and there's the tree, right? There's the bush. So I pick some, just a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to make lemonade at this hotel or like I'm not going to harvest a bunch of stuff here. So I just picked a little bit to bring to my room um, to put in a little vase <laughs> that I brought because <laughs> I'm the kind of person who brings vases to hotel stays now. But And then all of a sudden I found another flower and I'm like, oh my God, this one's so precious. And then before I know it, I'm like running, picking a, a summer bouquet. Like I am that crazy person now that you see running in the pouring rain, holding a bunch of flowers in her hand. And then just coming back to the hotel room, holding this bouquet. And it's like, I have flowers that I know from childhood. I have flowers that I, I feel like they're woven into the fabric of my DNA. Like I know this flower. Like I, my grandmother had this in her garden. We used to pick this on the walk out at our country house. Like I know these plants. And then there are flowers that I, like I, I've seen, but I don't, I don't know what their names are. I don't know what they, I don't know. I don't know who they are. Like I'm just ready to meet them and to greet them. And, and then I'll spend like an hour with my notebook, just taking notes and smelling them and researching them and figuring out their names. And then I put them on my tea table and I sit and I drink tea and I just, I mean, just holding the essence of this beauty that is this nature. Like I'm so, I mean, I sound like I'm high. Like I get that. I sound like I'm on something talking about <laughs> talking about nature here but it's so special and so profound and the thought hit me that I'm gonna miss all of this if I leave and then the next thought that came after that was well what about the land of Aruba like that's nature too you know that part of mother earth held and sustained me for 11 years of my life I found the love of my life there I built a life there. I got pregnant on a beach <laughs> there. I gave birth there. I made a home there. I lost a home there. You know, like like nature is there too. And I was really contemplating that today after my run. I mean, I sat for a long time just just holding that a little bit that that there's a disconnect or there's a there is a disconnect between the people and the land, or I experience a disconnect that's more palpable in Aruba than it is for me in Sweden. And maybe it is because I've had this privilege now these months of being in nature in Sweden. And Sweden is huge. Sweden is a massive, like it's a long ass country, 
you can find places of undisturbed nature in a lot of places. Sweden has its issues too. And then, of course, Sweden has a huge disconnect between the, the people and the land. The whole world has a disconnect between the people and the land. We see that in climate change and... You know, they're burning the freaking Amazon and we're losing rainforests and losing species and forests and, uh, you know, animals going extinct, extinct. And there, it's just too much, you know, if I start talking about environmental disasters and pains, yeah, it's, it's too much to fit in one, one hour show, right? It's so much. And you can see that disconnection, this disconnect between the people and the land. And somehow in Aruba, like I was really thinking about that, like why is it harder for me to feel this, this awe for nature there? Why haven't I, why, why hasn't that been sparked inside of me living there for so long? And I think it's two things. I think one is, well, Sweden is my homeland, right? So these plants, like what nature brings here, it's literally in my DNA. Like my ancestor walked and tended to this land. So I think that it's natural for me to have more of an awakening to that here. Yes. And then number two, you know, Aruba, when it comes to the way of life there, when it comes to the government there, when it comes to, you know, how also how the government takes care of the land and takes care of the people, it is really disconnected. You know, Aruba doesn't have any farming that sustains the people of Aruba, right? As locals, you can't go to the farmer's market and get your organic vegetables. Like for a local to go get vegetables, you pay insane prices to have the most sprayed glyphosate, white, not at all tasting like tomatoes, tomatoes. You know, like like <laughs> the people of Aruba aren't sustained by the land there. The land literally is sustaining tourism. So most of the island works in the tourism sector, tending to mostly American and European tourists who visit the island, who have a good time, who love it, who enjoy the beauty, but that also leave a fucking mess behind, right? That throw plastic cups in the ocean and unbelievable emissions getting there. And, you know, we're not, we're not talking like people going there and foraging for their own foods or eating some organic locally grown, peacefully <laughs> raced like stuff. No, everything is flown in and wrapped in plastic packaging. And it's just the, the, the environmental footprint on the tourism industry is massive. And at the same time, the island is so unbelievably beautiful and used to have so many local practices that actually held the people too, right? And that were all kind of lost to tourism because it's not it didn't generate enough for all the people visiting the island. So it's like, you know, you're living in an air-conditioned house um, because it's too hot to be outside and there's not places anymore. All the trees have been cut down and all the natural space has been lost. So there's not places you can go where there's natural shade. There's not, you know, that big piece of, it's, it's you know how like, I mean, I can look at that in Sweden, for instance, like there's so many areas here that are just made for the people. Like I can find even in cities, you know, I can find parks and groves and trees planted. And most of Aruba doesn't even have fucking sidewalks. So if I live in a regular local area and I want my kid to walk to school, that's not safe. I have to drive them. Even if it's two minute drive, I have to drive because it's not safe because there's not a fucking sidewalk because the money is going to things that are more important for, for the tourists to find beautiful, right? There is that disconnect between 
the tending to the people. And when the people aren't tended to, it becomes impossible for people to tend to the land, right? You cannot, if there was a practice or if there was a supported practice of, okay, hey, we got to feed ourselves on the island. We have to find sustainable, regenerative farming practices so that we can feed the population of this island. Like that would mean that a large portion of the people would be working with the land, knowing that I'm taking care of the land because the land takes care of me. It sustains me. But since there is that disconnect there, it's like vegetables are flown in from somewhere else. Yeah. How are you going to remember that actually this grows somewhere and it could grow here? And there used to be things growing here, but not anymore. You know, used to be organic eggs that came from the island that were really supported the, the community. Not anymore. All of these things are just lost and I can sense that there's something to that lifestyle of sealing yourself in an air-conditioned house because it's too hot to be outside eating fast food drinking from styrofoam cups like not having access to affordable healthy foods not having access to fresh food all of this it creates a disconnect to the land so yeah people litter you know, you'll see people throwing things out of the window of their car. People litter everywhere. All of these things just become more palpable and in your face because the island is so small, right? And the people are some of the greatest, kindest, happiest people in the whole world. And I just feel like they're not taken care of enough. You know, they're not taken care of enough. And on an island, you would think that, wouldn't it be so easy to turn that around? Wouldn't it be so easy to really cherish the land there? And to give back to the land and make the island fully self-sustaining. I mean, it's so small. It feels like in such a small scale, it should be easier. But it's not. And instead, there's more and more hotels being built. More and more natural habitat lost. You know, and it's not like it's enriching the local population, right? It's not like for every hotel that comes every American massive corporation that puts another hotel there, it doesn't enrich the people of Aruba. You know, it enriches the already rich people that are from abroad. And there's something to this whole system that is so majorly fucked up. And I experienced that too in a really big way. And I would love to return to Aruba. I mean, that's the feeling I have now is that it's like I owe the land that this land gave me 11 years. It gave me so much. It held space for me to create so many things. I can't just leave without saying goodbye. You know, I have to say goodbye. I have to offer something truly beautiful to the land. In case if we're going to move, I have to really, really, really go back with this awakened connection to Mother Nature and see what I can provide in return over there. And I don't know what that would look like, but I do know that a, a lifetime of, of living in air conditioning and a lifetime of not having fresh food, it's, it's, it's too much for me to be able to manage. So I know long-term we won't live there, but it's leaning toward us going there for at least six months to, yeah, to say goodbye, I guess. And then we'll always come back. I mean, it's always going to be where Leo was born. It's always going to be Dennis's home. We have family there, friends that are family. I mean, we have the studio there. We have so much. But this feeling that I am sitting with now that makes me look like a crazy person picking flowers as I run, I want to share that. I really, really, really want to share that. And I would love to spark that 
in other people because it comes along with this longing to take care of earth. And part of me being here also, which I didn't even share, it's been a whole hour of this show, is that I am creating a course for yogagirl.com that has been brewing inside of me for over a year. I've been wanting to create a really, really, really sacred container for a group to be in circle, you know, the way we normally are in circle in person, but virtually to provide people with this connection to earth. To be reminded that when we take care of earth, earth takes care of us in return. And that taking care of the earth is the same as taking care of ourselves. It is self-care because we're not separate, separate from earth. Earth is a part of us. We are nature. You know, this is, this is the, the most healing thing we can ever realize is that we're not separate from, from the land. So how are you tending to it? How are you receiving everything it's giving you? What still needs to be healed inside of you to get to that place of remembering that this is where you come from and remembering that this is where you belong. And I want to take this awakened spark and really pair it with the most healing self-care practices that I know of and create this beautiful course to offer online. And being here now, it's all coming together. I mean, this undisturbed time has also been this beautiful space for me to create. I've filled an entire journal, an entire journal back to back with just inspiration for what this course is going to be. And I can't wait. I can't wait to share it. I can't wait to share it because I know it's going to, it's going to plant all of our feet right back onto the earth, you know, where they're supposed to be, where we already are. That reminder that we belong here now, even if we're in between stuff, even if we don't know where we're going to live, even if we're struggling, even if we don't know what's up and what's down. It's like the one certainty, the one constant we have is nature. So how can we remember to turn to her again and again, again and again, and remember that that's the real coming home. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was a little bit of a rambling podcast, but I also know the rambling podcasts sometimes are the best ones. I'll leave that up to you to judge. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening with an open heart and you resonate and you feel connected, go on the podcast app and leave a five star for this show so we can continue to grow. It would mean the world to me. Really, really, really would. And um, I'll be back next week. Take really good care of yourself until then. And take really good care of the earth. And remember that those two things are one and the same. I love you. And I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And as always, a really big thank you to my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. And if you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, follow all other episodes of Yoga Girl Conversations from the Heart. All episodes are available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your podcasts. I'll see you next week. <laughs>